you already hit your arm. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And it's making the, the vibrating sound. Because someone's shaking the table. I'm not shaking the table. Are we really going to start this out <laughs> on a bad foot? I'm already <laughs> mad at you that we have to do this again. We don't really have to do it again. Yes, we do. We do have to do it again. You oh, weren't yeah. listening yesterday, and it was really frustrating. Yeah, I was not paying attention. You were not paying attention to anything I was saying. No. And I can carry whole shows, but I need a co-host over here. Yeah. Are you prepared to do that tonight? Mm, maybe. Do you, <laughs> do you swear Keep... the oath of the podcast? <clears throat> Your right hand to God. I solemnly swear I... That I'm up to no good? Will Laughlin... <laughs> Is it the will execute my faithful duties as podcast co-host? No. Just I can do some chopping, chop, chop, chop together something. Mm. Yeah, but I hope we don't have to do that. Hopefully, we can just it have was, an okay episode this time. It was fine for a while, and then it just was not fine. Yeah, it just wasn't fine at all at the end. I was also getting spacey. I was just like, I'm tired now. I'm looking at, at the wall. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, the last half hour of the episode was basically 10 minutes straight of me talking and you going, uh huh. And yeah. then when I was done with my soliloquy, there was nothing. Yeah, because I was at that like, point. okay. Because I was listening. No, you weren't listening at all. That was the whole problem. <laughs> Did I want to scroll on my phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. you basically were for most of it too. No. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, we gotta we gotta move on. Um, move on. Org. Change. Gov. Well, you did have an interesting topic at the end of the last episode that you were you were having a struggle session in the studio because you're getting distracted. Wait, what? Yeah, you were telling me you were having a hard time in your studio because you couldn't mix colors and oh, yeah. you blamed it on the lighting. Yeah, I was I was starting to blame everything except for my skills and abilities or anything internal. Yeah. As I do, I push that out into the world. Yeah. That's an that's I can't mix color? Me? Right. I can't mix gray purple? Fuck it. it must no, be I, the, and must I think be. I said to you I made an entire painting that I did this exact thing on where I mixed all these colors in advance. I made the entire painting. It does not work at all. And now I don't know what to do. I mean, scrape that pitch down. I mean, it's acrylic, man. I can't scrape shit. I'd have to break out the palm sander. It's sort of a restretch situation. I mean, when's the last time you had to break out a little palm? Yeah. I haven't done the ye old palm in a really long time. Mm, You sure about that? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Anyway, no, I mean, sometimes that's good. Like, you know, you build a surface. Yeah. Like, in a way. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was just a little bitch and just went and bought gray paint. Wait, what do you mean? You bought a pre-made color rather than mix it? Davy gray. And then oh. when I actually smeared it on, I was like, that's brown. Oh, fuck. Fuck. What a problem. Back to the mixing board. It was like a. Gr- it was like the gray of an elephant on, like of a, of a very dry elephant on yeah, the tube. An ashy uh, elephant. Very an elephant ashy. that needs some moisture. Needs some jerkins in its life. Yeah. And then I go and I smear it on like bright white canvas, and it's like I'm brown. Fuck you. Oh you man. Bitch. What color are you going for? That's so hard for you to mix right now. Twilight, whitewashed limestone building gray. Oh, right. You're making... Sunset gray. Right. Will's making a painting of the Getty Museum 
um, with the fire during the Palisades fire. So was that sort of it's sort of a twilight picture. I mean, it's an afternoon picture, but the smoke in it makes it. The sun it was light. low, yeah, yeah. and the, because it was hazy and it was in the opposite direction of the sun setting, everything on the eastern side of the building was in kind of darkness. Right, but like right. that blue, like oh, let's have a margarita darkness. Yes. And it's true that those twilight grays are some of the hardest colors to really get right. Because there's a fine line between it being a true color, meaning that you could identify it as purple, brown, whatever, and still being gray but having a hue. This is the same problem I had in the exact painting I'm making. I tried to make a chromatic gray painting, and it just didn't work at all, yeah. Well, I also was looking at... Because I was also looking at it on my phone. I'm like, well, this is a problem. I should probably print it. Yeah. Because then that'll be like, oh, that's colors. Right. Add up, subtractive, subtractive, yeah. Yeah, we had this debate on an early episode, and I still don't have it straight. (laughs) Um, No, if there's light emanating, it's additive, so it's never going to be the right way when you try and mix it in a subtractive way, which is pigment. Right. So you have to have the pigment thing that you're matching versus the glowy thing, the glowy glowy, uh, tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because glowy tablet's going to lie to you every time. Every time, Good luck, bitch. Because you can't. No, I know. Um, the other problem is you get into color, weight, and quantity. That's always really hard with these grays, too, because they ch- when when you apply more of it than just a swatch size, oh. it changes its color, basically, especially relative to other things on the surface. It was also kind of greasy. I somehow fucked up and put um, uh, Galkit in it because I was like, oh, I need to dry fast, and it'll be a first layer. And I was oh, like, yeah. <gasps> oh, no, this is bad. I'll scrape that Galkit's right a bad medium. If you're out there painting with Galkit and your oil paint grow up. It turned to jello in a bottle, and I literally used this much of it once for a thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, for for the reader, it, I'm eighth of an inch, maybe. Right. Yeah. And I had to like go in and like stab it and poke it and like squirt it out. I was like, ugh. Yeah, it sort of looks like like a scoby if you're into making kombucha. <laughs> you it get was... like a weird mass, a weird like white cloudy mass in the bottom of the in the bottom of the uh, bottle. Ew. And then you have to break it up. No, I'm speaking of the oil paint now. But scobies kind of look like that, too. No, it wasn't a mass. It was on the top. Oh, it was a it top layer. skin. Gotcha. Oh, okay. I was like, oof, I don't want yeah, this. Yeah, that's that fast-drying resin. Blech. Just use acrylic if you're trying to make paint dry fast. That's the ultimate lesson. I don't know. Some of us really want to indulge in the true color of oil. You're mostly an oil painter now in general, right? You don't really use acrylic anymore. You're off that train. I got that flash. Yeah, you that use flash sexy, sexy and flash. oil. Yeah. You're a pretentious painter. I want it to dry immediately or I want it to dry never. <laughs> I don't want this in between. Maybe it'll dry. I don't know. Right. It's ne- it needs to be like, ooh, oh damn, it's already dry on my brush. Oh fuck. Or, well, this will take a while. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now that flash is finally in stock everywhere. Oh, good. Yeah, you were having a hard it. time sourcing in New York City for a while. I was also poor, so I was like, oh my God, they only have the $55 jar. <gasps> um, yeah, so that was a moment. Mm-hmm. But we were also talking about like potential like giving yourself homework problems. Yeah, I believe you were giving me homework um, to make a second podcast, which it turns out we ended up having to do anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> like like giving myself like the make a color wheel. Or oh, some right. Kind of shit. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Like, do I have to tint? Do I have to make tints like a little bitch? Maybe actually. Well, what do you mean by that exactly? I'm not really sure. Like making a color swatch and then deciding what color you want or. Just making a whole like, range and then doing a range of like transitions to 
from color grays to color grays. Yeah, usually when I do photorealistic paintings, I do that. Oh. Um, you don't end up using all of them. Mm. Uh, often you do, but it also gives you the chance to make in-between colors, too. Yeah. So if you put something down, you're like, oh, I need to fuck with it a little bit. You already a have, extra, like, yeah. a spread there to work with. Mm. And, you know, you can make, like, 36 colors out of 12 or whatever Ew. if you end up doing that. What? Yeah, because you can do all the in-betweens that you need, you know, because you gotta you gotta kind of play it by ear as you're making a painting like that, especially at the size that you're doing it. Yours is what, like forty by something, forty by forty-eight, forty-five by forty. Yeah, that's a big ass painting. You need some flexibility. You can't like strictly mix all the colors in advance. It's only like ten by twenty-four inches of building, and it's the hardest shit. The landscape you shit that out in two minutes. Like it'll actually be harder, but yeah, it'll be hard too. But grays, I was like, ooh, it's mm-hmm. too hard. Yeah, it's tough. I don't like to try. Yeah, no, I know. I warned you about this when you first showed me the image. I said, sir, you're in for it. This is going to be <laughs> difficult. And you didn't believe me. Um, so I decided to try to buy my way out of the problem, yeah. as one does. <laughs> I'll buy the gray. You should just hire an assistant for like $20 an hour. You know? Excuse? Yeah. Just Why? get somebody else to paint it for you. Why? And then you can punish them if they fail. Make them do ketamine? Poppers? <laughs> I don't think that's a punishment. That's a payment. Oh. If I've ever heard one. Oh, boy. <laughs> ah, ugh, disgusting. I'm drinking a banquet beer. Cause yeah, what, where'd that come from? Last night, I was like, I had my two Celsius, and I was like, I want another thing. So I got those and a sleeve of Oreos and a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> By my count, that's three more things. And I mean, if you count all the Oreos individually... You're well, up, you're somewhere in the dozens now. Dozens of what? <laughs> of objects that you ate or consumed in one fashion or another. Did you eat the whole sleeve? No. Oh. How many did you eat? More Let's than half. Let's not talk about that. We don't need, <laughs> No, no, less than, I I was counting. I think I had 5. You had 5? Okay, that's not that bad, but in addition to all the booze, you know. I was saying today that uh you can eat whatever you want when you're not drinking. That's the most glorious part, I have to say. Oh. You know, because you're not having 8,000 calories of... Liquid form? Yeah. Mm. So. But, like, the seltzers only have 5 grams of sugar or 5 calories. They have way more than 5 calories. No. They're, like, 90 that's, calories That's per. their claim to fame is... Oh. They're well. 90 calories per. They're low in sugar. I don't know the difference. <laughs> Between sugar and calories? No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Quite frankly, how this functions... Yeah. Fucking mystery. Well, we've talked about it before, but I'm really waiting for the day, and it's coming any day now, I promise you, when your metabolism slows. Listen, my... And all of this starts adding up to some serious poundage. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere with the word poundage, but I'll just not. <laughs> um, my flannel line jeans were a little snug the other day, but then I was like, oh, I think I'm just bloated. It's, that's the lie I'm going to tell myself. <laughs> okay. I'm a little bloated You have today. flannel-lined jeans? Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, yeah. To keep you warm in the winter so you uh, don't have to yeah. wear under... Yeah, you don't have to double layer. Yeah. But on the coldest days, you can. Wow. So then you have like a triple layer, yeah, but yeah. one of them's just built in. Yeah. What's it like to work in flannel pants, though? Or are they only... They're commuter pants only. What do you mean? And then you change. Because I would imagine it would be uncomfortable once you were inside of a heated building to wear flannel pants well, not all day. Not if you're like going to an unheated studio building oh oh okay i got you i thought you meant for like going to your day job no i would never i sweat too much for that it's, yeah no, no no i would be just like flop sweating mm. where do you get these flannel line jeans uh i got them at the crew many many oh, moons ago okay it was like a an old school thing that you bought because like dads like them 
Yeah, yeah, no, they. You seem, could probably get them at Walmart. Uh, they seem like a, like a Filson thing or like a workman's thing. Like Dickies. somebody that worked outside would wear flannel lined. Yeah, get a Dickies. You know, yeah, yeah, because I really could use these. Yeah. Although I'm all in on sweatpants now, I have to say I think I'm just going to start wearing sweatpants only, even to work. That's not warm. That's no, it cold. is. It's really warm. How They're is perfectly it warm? warm. Sweatpants are warmer to me than jeans. Somehow they let less air in. That's insane. No, because they're 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 like jammies and they're tight around your ankles. You know, you remember your little kid jammies? What? When you were when you were a child, you never wore your jammies to bed. Yeah, they were adult what? sweatpants. Now are just jammies, but bi- for big people. Jeez. Oh, okay. And they're extremely warm because they are tight around your ankles, so no air gets in up there. Unlike jeans. What kind of giant? Like Jenkos, are you wearing in your real life where <laughs> yeah. all this air is flying? Out? I wear the Jenkos with the uh, Trump Loy Rhino charging out of the back. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you're like shitting out a rhino? Like, what yeah. the fuck is this? You've never heard of a union suit, have you? No, what does that mean? It's an adult onesie. Oh. Well, with the women wear these flapping. all the time. What? Women wear these all the time. No. Adult onesies? Yes, they do. That's different. That's called, No, that's a bodysuit. Oh, okay. They don't have a flap in the back. Although that would be No, they got hot. snaps. In the taint. Oh, right, right, right. That's how you pee. Easy you access, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. For all sorts of applications. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, a union suit, I mean, that's like what like a like a miner from the 1850s mm-hmm. would wear yeah. in the comedic scene where they're trying to make it to the outhouse in the middle. Yes. Of yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, actually, a friend of the show, Trevor, has one of these. Yeah, they're great. That he wears both earnestly and comedically. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, that, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. I can see that image in my mind. It does feel to me like a very New England thing, like New England hillbillies. It's like if you're a fisherman. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. It's maritime. But why you can't just do separates, that I don't understand. I don't know. I guess there must have been a time when separate clothing was harder to make or something, you know? So much easier to make. Maybe it was easier for a wife at home to just sit there and knit one single garment. Rather than work with different materials or something. A knitted onesie would be the most uncomfortable <laughs> fucking thing in the world. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just spitballing here. What do they have? Looms? Yes. Were these mass-produced items? I guess yeah. now they are. Yeah, I don't think you would hand-make your onesies. Maybe they would. I don't know. You had to darn your socks and stuff, so you'd certainly have to hand-repair your onesie. I mean, how many... I mean, yeah, the poor woman who has to, like, wash a, like hard drinking miners onesie like how many times do you have to like scrub shit out of the unopened back door i know they were wiping their asses with corn cobs back then Ew. if that maybe just their hand Ugh. muslim style that's true left hand I, o- I mean left hand only yeah okay. yeah table my fucking foot fell asleep Sorry. i didn't invent that it's part of their religion okay well i mean just so well, everybody knows i'm serious okay <laughs> <sighs> No one was doubting you. No one was, you know, pride. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't be wrong. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, it wasn't really about being wrong. I, I was trying to avoid getting accused Canceled. of Islamophobia. Mm. You know. What? Because it, it's not 2002 anymore? What? You think Islamophobia has disappeared because it's not post 9-11 anymore? Yeah. Now we're in the 1920s. Yeah, it's I wonder the roaring the, 20s. Well, I was going to ask what the prominent racism in the 20s was, but I think Ooh, we can I all answer that question. We could probably figure that out. <laughs> the roaring 20s. Everyone's wearing black and white, but you won't see any of the blacks and any whites. <laughs> I like this character. 
twenties news broadcaster. Do the Hindenburg guy. Oh, the humanity. All right, so we have a giant blimp coming through. Okay, all right, here it is. Oh, it's a great achievement for all. No, it's just Rosie O'Donnell, and she's taking a tumble. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Lizzo. but Okay, okay. No. <laughs> no. I guess we can't get into that. We watched a Lizzo performance on SNL. It was perfectly fine. It really wasn't. It was disturbing in a lot of ways, but I just we'll move on. Okay, well, <laughs> the only thing I'll say is that white ladies... Shame on you for adopting Lizzo so late. You should have been been done new. And now you're just like, yes, that's my queen. Okay, fuck you. You've never been to a drag show. You actually don't have black friends and fuck yourselves. Yeah, I guess that's true. Not that any of our listeners are like, I'm a Lizzo stan. I think there are Lizzo stans in our audience, I do have to say. I've talked to a couple of our friends that it would surprise you to what extent they stan Lizzo. But do they know the flute song where it's just flute, yes. flute, 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 bitch? That's how I first heard about her, yeah, was okay. as a notorious flautist. I only learned later the true depravity of her endeavor. Okay. <laughs> Again, producer first. Anyway. <laughs> depravity. Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, I'm listening, and I don't like what no, I'm hearing. I know you don't like what I don't like hearing. what I'm hearing today on this day. I'm very tired. I don't know why. I know you do <sighs> seem tired. I, I feel bad for you, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of blackpilled today. I can't really explain it. Did you talk to people today? I did talk to people. Yeah, I had oh, a really wow. nice day, actually. Oh. I went to the Met today, oh. and I went to the Guggenheim today. Ew. Uh, the Guggenheim's mostly closed, but there's yeah. a painting show there that you would like. It's a really small show. Which one? Um, I forget the name of it. It's like, you know, The Passion of Color or some dumb name like this, but it's like paintings from the 1960s. There's a Jules Olitsky. There's a Kenneth Noland. There's a Paul Feely. There's a Gene Davis. Morris Lewis, Helen Frankenthaler, you know, it's got all the heroes there. Dead whites? Yeah, lots of dead whites. I think there's one Japanese guy and one black person. Not mm. sure if, if they were a he or she. Alma Thomas? I believe Alma Thomas a, is a lady. Is, I thought she was still alive. Perhaps, like I don't know. Like 162. I'd seen her paintings before, but I didn't really recognize them. I think, isn't she the lady with that turquoise and red thing at the Met where it's just like the brush strokes? Yeah, like, it's just vertical rectangle brush strokes, strokes about an yeah. inch wide. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a pink one. It was nice. I don't those know. Those are sexy to see. I guess. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, those are all just like vertical stripe people. Like, it was pretty much vertical stripes. The Kenneth Nolan was a triangle. There was like a circle painting, you know, mm-hmm. the passion of shapes or, you know, whatever. It was one of those. Types Square of peg shapes. round hole. Yeah. Still the bit. Whoever titles show that in a museum, I will give you tens of dollars. I will give you your full admission price. Hmm. I will not try and swindle my way into your establishment. Wow, you're willing to pay $25 just for the title, Sight Unseen, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow, you sound like a sucker. Sure am. Museum curators out there. <laughs> Take my money. Yeah, why don't you curate this show? Who would be in it if you were going to do it? That's like too much thinking right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. I would have to... No more hypotheticals. I think I actually did curate this once in my head once, like while well, kind of very drunk. Uh-huh. And I couldn't. I don't. I couldn't tell you who is in it right now. It just exists in the abyss. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that drunken abyss that we all inhabit sometimes, where really good ideas seemingly happen. Well, it's a really great en- idea until you're like, "Huh, that was bad." Yeah, I'm gonna forget that. That's a, that's going to forget me now. Um, well, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe so this you, was so a bad idea. Turns out this isn't that much better than the other one. Well, so. whatever. Okay, so so you were talking to people. So you you know. You actually did like. Why are you black hatted, black pilled? <laughs> I'm gonna start. Yeah, we should we should reappropriate it and start calling it black hatted. Why? Is I don't it, know. It just like seems hacking? more gentlemanly. I'm picturing a bowler hat and 
you know there actually there is an there is a uh, early 19th century doomer meme that i like a Excuse? lot yeah it's the doomer wojack guy except he looks like martin van buren and it's just quotes from like nihilistic philosophers <laughs> about this reinforcing the, the most, patriarchy like, or whatever shit and yet i kind of understand what you're saying even though the words i'm always like what's a what i know I don't I, i've been slowly trying to train you you do know what the doomer is now We've covered that. I think you know the Doomer meme. Yes. Uh, Wojak, you're probably a little fuzzy on. I hear the word, and I'm never going to remember it, and I choose not to. Okay. Well, the Doomer meme is a subset of Wojak. Wojak is the crime guy. Do you hear the words that come out of your fucking mouth? I'm trying to educate you for the sake of our listeners. Maybe they don't know either. But they see these memes around, and they wonder, huh, what is that? Where'd that come from? Does it have a taxonomy? Well, I'm here to tell you it does, and I know it. See, here's that pride again, just coming out raging mm-hmm, forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is raging forth. I took a backseat to you last night. We all know how that turned out. So, Except we won't, because that'll um, never see the light well, of day. Well, I think I'm going to end up having to hybridize it with this one, it oh, seems great. like. So we'll find out. I don't know. Because mm. there was some good stuff in there, I do have to admit. Yeah, you were like, oh, it's so, tip- so bad. Okay, can we get on with the... like? With the actual, the di- yeah, the see, this is exactly my problem with you. How do you like it now? <laughs> it is really annoying, isn't it? I'm more so tired you have than something you. you'd like to talk about? Okay, well, let's go. What do you want to talk about? No, I want you to finish your story. You're distracting yourself from the story. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, all I was saying was that there's a an early 19th century Doomer meme that I like that reminds me of the black hat. Okay. Rather than black pilled. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of want to be that. Comeback. But yeah. But why am I feeling that way today yeah. is what you were asking yes. me. I don't know. It's just a vague feeling. I'm not really sure why. I just kind of came home and I was like, I'm lonely. I feel <laughs> bad. I want to take it out on the world. <laughs> oh, this is why I walk in. I want a game. I'm gaming right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat a whole pizza by myself and eat my feelings. Yeah. Did you really eat that entire thing? Fuck yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm single serving. Well, yeah. No, I don't know. So I had a nice day. I went to museums and stuff. That Felix uh, Velaton show oh it's very good was really good yeah mm-hmm. and delight a delightful surprise because i don't know that painter from adam so had you ever heard of him mm-hmm. oh okay yeah everybody knows him you're giving me a side yeah. eye look you yeah. know you know french painting don't you not really what? not of that era eh. he did a lot of the distempers in his life so like, yeah you know if you liked matt painting you were like oh i gotta look at this fucker too right see how he did it i guess the of the distemper crowd i knew about like Vuillard. But that's pretty much it. You don't really get like what's what's that whole movement called? Isn't there sort of a name for those French people around the turn of the century? Pricks. That's just a name for French people all the time. I, but isn't it like the NIMBYs or something? Like it begins with an N. I want to say the not in my backyard. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Do you have any idea what I mean? Yeah. We don't have to remember it, but yeah, there's a certain term for this, and I'm not that I'm not overly familiar with it. I don't know. There, it, there, everything was all clustered like. Valton was like a fringe guy of like, I know the people who do the, like, flannerism. Right. What does that mean? Like the flaneur, the stroller, the gentlemanly stroller. You know, like, it's all of that kind of thing of like, I'm a rich white. Right. Uh, My only interesting maybe take on this guy was that I think a lot of the early American, like, regionalists must have been looking at him. Oh, fuck Because he reminded me a ton of Milton Avery in certain instances, Grant Wood in other instances, like, just in treatment. Yeah, and I feel like the, what is it, the, what are they, the, the luminous or the people, like the, I don't have words, 
But like all those like early moderns, early American moderns were like, hmm, light can be weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're in a city. There's that sort of thing that Grant Wood does where the light doesn't come from a single source. Like every surface seems to be like independently illuminated, like from a different direction. The but, first clip art. But then it kind of, yes, it looks like clip art. And then, it, but then it kind of evens out. Like it makes sense at a glance, but when you really look at the painting, you're like, oh, whoa, what the fuck is this? Where's the sun? There's like 15 suns in this. He did that weird freaky universe. cherry tree painting, right? Of George Washington. With the giant head. Yes. That's the weirdest fucking... I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know why. Yeah. Strangest thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a really bizarre painting. And it's from such a strange time where, like, that sort of myth of George Washington... Like, I get the sense that he took that seriously. That he was, like, genuinely charmed by that story. And then made the freakiest, weird baby Washington... Yeah. As an old man Benjamin Button style. Right. It's an odd and like... Every, well, it has that stage setting too, right? Where there's like a curtain on the one side and yeah. it's, it's all made as this kind of farce, but yeah. It reminds you of like a Rocco's Modern Life or something. Yeah, like yeah. Everything's it's, wrong. It's cartoonish. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I don't know why I was thinking about that a lot. Well, this Veloton guy's paintings sometimes have that quality too. Like yeah. they're a little bit more realistic than that, like spatially and stuff, but there there's some weird scenes in there where they're just... Yeah, they're constructed in like a sort of cartoony dimension. Because he came out of those out of printmaking. So those right. early things were all those black and white prints, which I thought were They were gorgeous. fantastic. Yeah, there's these black and white woodcuts that are mm. hyper graphic, like no gradient at all. They're just black and white. Delicious. Yeah. And so much space for nothing. You know, or not nothing, but very little. Very like satisfying to look at. I don't need to see like 20 of the same like kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They They look similar but i mean to be fair a lot of them were series like there was a series of like a couple's relationship from start to finish sort yeah. of he he also had that like um quality that bernard has and like eric fischel really exploits of like this psychological charge that's right under the surface they're like seemingly really innocuous scenes but then i was reading some of the cards and they're like they're all about like you know salacious in, uh instances with a mistress the 5 p.m yeah, painting yeah, is yeah. Oh, uh, that's a great one because it's like, this would not be how you embrace your wife at 5 p.m. when you get home. Right. I'm like, oh. But to a contemporary eye, I mean, it looks like a relatively tender scene. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's a little bit sexy in that she's sitting on his lap, but it's not like... It's I not... thought they were sitting next to each other. <coughs> uh, they might be. I might be misremembering. But that's what I mean is that when you just see it that way, you're like, oh, what a cute image of a couple kissing or whatever. But then, you know, with the title being five o'clock and this whole insinuation that he's visiting his mistress before he goes home, it takes on this whole other dimension. You can look at the scene differently, like oh, yeah. even down to the way that it's lit and like what kind of room they're in. I... It's like a shoddy apartment sort well, of. Well, it's a parlor. Yeah. And... At that hour, because the sun is setting in the, like, the way that the light is, or the way it's painted, like, the shutters are kind of half cast down. Right. And there's no lamps on. Yes. Which, like, a normal housewife would be like, well, the lamps have to go on now. Right. That's right. Like, my husband's coming home. We have to turn the lights on. Well, and the whole insinuation that they're hiding it, like, you would keep the shades you down. You have to keep the shades down. Yeah. We don't turn on the lights. No one needs to know that I'm here. But also, everyone knew that, you know, Pierre was going to pound town. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, the way it was written about in the title card from the Met made it seem like everyone at the time would have known this, like at yeah. a glance of the picture, which is so interesting that like that phenomenon would have Got been lost, so yeah. widespread that like even the wives would have been like, well, you know, Mad see him style. At, it's just yeah. what he does. It's like, hmm, I guess I'll see him at 515. Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> quick shooter, huh? <laughs> I mean, no one's bitchier than a French woman scorned. Yeah, that's true. So mm. uh, there was another painting in there that's just like four people sitting around a table and it's really darkly lit. It's like, I think it's lit by like one overhead lamp or something. A mm. uh, friend of the show, Ulrika, hilariously analogized it to dogs playing poker. Because it really does look like yeah. that. <laughs> it, it looked like the one, the one that I liked with the weird, like bitchy eye lady, like looking like mm-hmm, I'm getting away with something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess uh, again, the, these weird cards coming in. Uh, it said that it was like about how much he hated his stepdaughter. <laughs> that there's like a guy in the scene that's like you only see the back of his head and you can't see his expression, but across the table from him is a small child who's like looking really forlorn. <laughs> I guess it's just about him casting scorn on his stepdaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, the cards were a lot. When you get the better story from the cards, you're like, I want to know who wrote these cards. Yeah. You're fun. Yeah, no, I know. Well, you know, um, it's not really my idea, but I'll I'll credit her and repeat it. Ulrika had an interesting insight, which was that she felt like she could get a real... um, sense of who the artist was because the paintings are sort of like they have an almost innocence or like naivete sometimes like it's oh it's just like a cute painting of a store but then there's all this same thing i said earlier there's all this like darkness under the surface and you get this sense of like this sort of adolescent guy that's like i don't know um kind of a bad person but also has like mm, like an earnest streak to him. Yeah. Like it seems it's, it, that does come across in the work because of the way that it's painted. It's yeah. so like, uh, it's so cutesy. Well, you're talking about the Balmarche painting. Uh, yes. The Balmarche painting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was an interesting one when you start to read the little signs and like what's going on, like people like, cause that's like, that's the poor floor. Right. Cause yeah. it's snacks and shit. It's not the higher floors where you have the luxury. Well, uh, and, just for the listener, it's like a triptych that on, on each, um, on the left and the right panel, you're seeing like the products in the store, like the store floor with like a couple prominent figures in front of them. So it's like a lot of colorful boxes and stuff. Yeah. But then the center panel looks to be like some sort of thoroughfare. I don't know if it's like a set of stairs or if it's just a hallway. It, there's I a can't remember. set of the main stairs of Montmartre in, or in the back of the painting or the top third back. Right. But, it, but you see the masses like in kind of darkness, all painted in like browns and blues blacks and purples mm-hmm. uh basically painted as like a zombie style like undifferentiated mass and then you have like the the kindly gentleman on the left and like a lady on mm-hmm. the right there there is like an interesting dynamic there because see i didn't know that bon marche had like uh, a titanic style steerage system and then like that's you know, every first department class. store what are you talking about yeah explain that further ground floors are where you have cosmetics and perfume highest price per like you know 100 milliliters or whatever but like that's what you get when you're like you you know you don't know the person that well and you have to buy them a gift oh let me just buy a 40 dollar candle yeah or oh i uh cheated on my lover let me buy an expensive bottle of perfume because you don't put jewelry on it used to be like cheap shitty jewelry and the perfume like all the case ladies would be out right hunting but like as time goes on no one has the money for like fine jewelry. Truly. Like all those cases are just in any department store you walk in, there's no jewelry cases to be found. Wow, anywhere anymore. I mean nothing that's fine jewelry. Right, right, just cheap stuff. And it's like, oh, the most expensive thing is $400. If that's your idea of like asking for, you know, forgiveness 
for 400 bucks no <laughs> you're gonna have to try a little harder you're in for at least it's the car- hundred bucks yeah it's the yeah. carnations of jewelry yeah or you could buy like um a charm for your niece's charm bracelet or yeah like there's like a, a, yeah. a, a not a patagonia a, a pandora like station and they're like yeah i got the 60 dollars charm it's cute right fucking stupid trash <laughs> um but yeah that's the candy box of it's the candy aisle of a department store the good shit's upstairs right i got you okay and then that's why men's are always in the cellar floor because we don't want we don't want the men's yeah, the men aren't aren't buying to the same degree ostensibly no. either. So yeah, they're coming in once a year to like get a new pair of Levi's, or they're oh they have to get a suit. Okay, yeah, buy your suit, sir. Right, we don't need to parade anything. Here it is. <laughs> it's in your size. Would you like it tailored? No, you're a schlub. Fuck you. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> Shall we talk about the decision? Yeah, sure. I I, I mean, it's as new to me as it is to you. Do you want to introduce to the listeners what we're talking about? Well, if you've ever watched ESPN in 2010, you know what disappointment feels like, boys and girls. <laughs> Wait, what are you referring to right there? Do you remember the ESPN, LeBron James, let me decide where I'm going to go. Oh, yes. Miami. Okay. And this it's is like a, good... a three hour long extravaganza yeah, yeah. of like, I don't know, it's a really hard decision. Let's play some clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like that place. Yeah, yeah. Miami's Miami's a nice place. But this is my family. Oh, okay. Three hours later, I went with whoever gave me more money, and I gotta <laughs> yeah. go. Um, We're so, talking, of course, about the New York Times now notorious double endorsement, Warren and Klobuchar. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. By their own admission, they expose the fact that Amy Klobuchar abuses her employees. They, oh, report, they, they reported the that. New York Times was the one that reported they that. They were the ones who Amazing. were like, what's it what it's like to work for this bitch? And lo and behold, they're like, I don't know, chicks, man. Yeah. May the best woman win, as they said. <sighs> the, really? Yeah. That was the closing line of the uh article. That's a line from Drag Race. <laughs> that is what RuPaul says to every drag queen at the end, at the beginning of each challenge. You know what? As, as crazy as it sounds, I don't doubt that that <sighs> they're not doing an intertextual nod to Drag Race. That's insanity. I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Because I mean, I mean, honestly, think you know, if we really want to get into this now, I mean, think about what this double endorsement actually is. It's just blatant, obvious identity politics for two women. Like, that's one aspect of it. There's other things to it. But they couldn't decide. Not both of them. Yeah. Like, fuck what? it. We'll, we'll just go with both of them. But what, but what I mean is, like, they're obviously doing some kind of pandering because on the level of identity. Because Klobuchar and Warren's policies could not be farther apart from each other. You know, it would have been yeah. like double nominating Biden and Bernie. It's about as close as you could get to that without actually doing that. Well, the funny part is like they were, yeah, I guess. So clearly, let me just finish this thought. So clearly they do not give a shit about what the politicians represent at all. And they're just pandering to their liberal readership without trying to alienate the moderate ones of them and without trying to alienate the left ones of them and saying, okay, well, we'll just give you both and we'll do the woman thing because that'll make everybody the least mad. I don't know. Man. So the fact that they're, you know, dropping in like basically a drag race thing. Yeah, sure. The think, same crowd. I think that's appeals. a reach. Um, but I was get, like, did you read the point score breakdown? 
Uh, no. So it was uh, the ladies up top, and then third place was Cory Booker. Yeah, yeah. I and saw like, a lot of discussion around this, but I didn't did, know they actually ranked him that way. Y'all didn't retally afterwards and go, oh, maybe we're the news and should um, keep up with things. And they're like, no, 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 no. The video's already in the can. We don't reshoot that. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, how mu- how much more obvious could it be that they wanted to just um, endorse Booker? Oh, yeah. Or Harris or somebody like that. They wanted to do that. And they then... wanted to do the two, but they wanted like some, you know, a little seasoning and no, a little salt. You know what? No, I think they would have absolutely done a single endorsement if somebody like Harris or Booker was in the race, because that type of candidate straddles the line between somebody like Warren and somebody like Klobuchar perfectly mm. in every respect from policy to identity and back again, like, you know, a hobbit's tale, Cory Booker, you're right in the middle <laughs> I mean, he does have pointy ears. You know, he he checks all the boxes. It's so obvious that they wanted to do that. But, like, they satisfied absolutely nobody. I mean, did you see the the Nate Silver thing where um, the guy from 538 notorious for the polling? I know who Nate Silver is, okay. but... Just, just in case you didn't, you gave me a weird look. But um, he did this thing where I think it was... When did this come out? Last night? Like at 1130 last night. So a couple hours before that on Twitter, he put up like an odds chart that was like, okay, I think it's a uh, five to one. They'll do Warren. It's like 10 to one. They'll do Biden. It's like 20 to one. They'll do Bernie. And it's like 30 to one that they'll endorse two people or something dumb like that. <laughs> and so on and so on. His former employer. And absolutely incredibly, they did the something dumb like that. <laughs> that was the fourth thing on the list. <laughs> well, they also like, you know, showed their ass and like gave the rubric of like what they used. And they were like, in in conversation with Arthur Salzberger, the publisher, you know, they laid down their list of like, you know, bullet points of what they what they as the Times editorial board. Also, this is not the Times. Yeah, it's, just, it's the editorial board. Which, who gives a fuck? Go, no, no one cares. Um, well, you, as if the Times those? itself wasn't elitist enough, let's take the oligarchy from the New York Times. <laughs> it, well, no, it's like... <laughs> they it's, do this every election cycle. It's I not know, anything new. But it's but. like it's kind of like the people from the Vow section got together and were like, okay, so who do we like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there, the second thing was like, whatever candidate, you know, is progressive in social ideals through, uh, through democracy and capitalism. And I was like, yep. ooh, wow. Well, you know... My take wow. on it from the from the Yo, Bernie stand, Paul Krugman, yeah, Paul <laughs> 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 Krugman. Oh, you just made him mad. Yeah, I don't know. He woke up, Grandpa. I mean, my my take on it from the Bernie stand, neck of the woods, is just like anybody that's into Bernie shouldn't be mad about this because it's obvious that they were never going to endorse him anyway. And so them saying something like, you know, that represents values through democracy and capitalism or whatever. Duh. Furthers democracy through capitalism. Through capitalism. Of course. They had no choice but to pick somebody other than him. He was Mm -hmm. never going to get it. That's fine. No one should make a stink about it from the Bernie camp. It's actually good for him. I mean, did you see his video interview at all? Or any or like, read that well, interview? Well, I think it's not only Democrats and Republicans. It could be the New York Times uh, causing some of this shit too. Yeah, I mean, he calls them like, out. Ooh. The video is an interesting <laughs> watch because they're so palpably uncomfortable in the room with him, and he and he is cast casting so much scorn across the table that's just like I don't even want to be here. Like, well, there's, I mean, think about how many people. Like, again, you've never seen Gilmore Girls, but everyone who went to journalism school 
in a certain amount in a certain period of time in the 90s and the aughts i just want to work for the new york times yep. i want to move to new york the the city will be my boyfriend because sex in the city and you're okay all you all are like this man's saying that my job is bad yeah that i'm a bad person for working for my dream place it's like yes yes you could also really want to work in congress and then realize oh well this is bad well you know or vogue and be like oh anna wintour just beat me this whole (laughs) jesus this whole thing points to something larger which is that for readers of the new york times in general or a lot of liberals in general politics is just an aesthetic thing you know they see it on tv they see it in gilmore girls or on the west wing or whatever the fuck it is and they think oh okay i'm gonna go work for the liberal elites they don't phrase it that way in their head but uh, you know on the ground that's what it means and that means i'm doing good you know and what could be more blatant and crazy than what the times just did which is endorse two people with different platforms just for even, aesthetic reasons and they don't like they don't even like any they don't like any of them they're no like, they don't they're like you know what sells papers the crazy man yeah asses and seats it's no different than like publishing a marvel no i know that's what I'm saying is that like for everybody that takes this seriously, it will appeal to them because it's just an aesthetic appeal. There is no material politics behind this choice at all. If there was, they would have to endorse one person and they can't do it. Well, they also said that they would they would have endorsed Andrew Yang if he was a politician. Well, that's a lie. That seems wildly disingenuous. Well, you know, like, what does that even mean? Like, if he was a senator and knew uh, stuff about right, whatever. whatever. But, like, that's such a that's such a stupid thing. Like, Donald Trump is in the White House, you fucking morons. You know what I mean? What do you mean? What what value is a politician at all? Like, by today's standards, and, Andrew Yang simply running is, like, fine. If you wanted to endorse Yang, go for it. But that also makes them look like complete idiots and lunatics. Like, I like Andrew Yang on the level of, like, being an outsider in the race and bringing another voice to it. Like, in the same sense that I like Marianne Williamson for this reason. Crystals. You know. But it's insane that you think Andrew Yang's policies make any sense at all or that you would say you would endorse him. Like, what kind of a cop-out is that? I just don't understand where the, you know. I didn't understand. I was a little It's so schizophrenic, this entire thing. Well, I get. I said this before. I'll say it again. Camel is a horse designed by committee what the times did which at its core as an editorial board their job is to make camels yes they just made a three hump they literally made a two hump camel yeah yeah they literally made a camel by committee yeah that's i don't know how you'd put a hat on a hat like that yeah no i know i can't or a hump on a hump it's it's one of the funniest things to happen in this whole like democratic primary cycle so far It, it it's seems like a simpsons episode it's worse yeah i mean it's like a it's a, it's a family guy one. yeah it's like a family guy it is it's manatees with the balls yes exactly in right. the tank <laughs> somebody pushed the klobuchar ball slowly to the surface uh-huh. and then another board member slowly pushed the warren one up there and then they were like oh no it's not gonna happen no they're gonna choose one they'll choose one and they chose two and they broke the system they yeah. broke their own system <laughs> <laughs> Poor fucking manatees got electrocuted last night is what happened. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> well, did you see... Uh, I mean, there's so many interesting elements to this. Did you see that, like, Bloomberg canceled his interview 
um, and didn't even show up because, you know, they were trying to interview yeah. all the candidates for this process. And he canceled his interview and requested that they change the entire like timing of the process so that he could participate. And they were like, no. And he still got a vote from somebody on the editorial board. Why? <laughs> because like they who benefited from. I mean, the person who was on like the city beat, I'm sure yep. was like, we love Michael. Oh, he's so good at throws the best dinner parties why would we not throw him a vote exactly come on just one for mikey yeah, i don't know and the the idea that like their readership or the editorial board themselves don't understand how bad this makes them look in that respect how siloed in their little new york bubble and how out of touch they are completely with everyone and everything i mean it's hilarious well i mean i'm not gonna say anything about like you know east coast elitism because hi my name is will yeah come from aspiring east coast aspiring wasp for going on 20 years thank you um except the protestant and the angle well you can always get excommunicated oh probably already done (laughs) um but like where's that going with this like i don't understand like how you miss the point that it's spineless to not have a single choice. Even just said, you know, be wrong. Like, did they actually, did they endorse Obama when he was running or did they go Hillary they, the first time? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I bet they did Hillary, but I'm not sure. I'm going to, we should, you know, if we were smarter people, we could maybe look it up. Maybe this is why I'm talking a little bit longer. I don't know. Well, make Perhaps. your point. What, what were you saying? But regardless? like, you know, like they have a history of being wrong, but they have a history of like sticking to their guns. And being like, this is the thing that we want to choose because we are, uh, you know, the paper of record. We are the gray lady and gray lady go, go make a decision. This is a matter of gray lady doesn't care anymore and just wants style points. And you're like, girl, that's not what you do. You make a decision and then you eat shit or you're right. Like, that is what you do. Well, you know, okay, hang on. I'm looking it up right now, but I do have something to say about yeah. this, which is which is I heard, and you're going to have to take it with a grain of salt because it was just a Reddit comment, but I, I, I was reading about this, and I heard that the New York Times in, in this circumstance in Democratic primaries has always picked the person that's lost or the person that lost in the general. They've never picked a Democratic primary and then general election winner in the modern era, let's say, because I'm sure that I'm almost positive that can't be true historically. But because part of being the gray lady is that you're out of touch. You're not contemporary. You are the paper of record and your job is to be stodgy and be kind of conservative with what you do and think of what's safe, like a safe choices had by all. Oh, okay. So I'm immediately going to contradict to that Reddit comment. They were wrong because they endorsed Obama both times. Oh, wow. In 2008 and in 2012. Well, why would they not? They would never not endorse an incumbent. You know, that's actually that's actually kind of interesting, though, because it, 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 my understanding of it is in 2008, Obama didn't get really ahead in the race in any real sense till after Iowa. So it's interesting to yeah, me that if they later. if they did this endorsement at the same time that they would have gone for him. But it's also possible that given like there was really no outsider. Can- he was the outsider candidate, yeah. Obama. Like that was the closest to an outsider you had. Like the New York Times probably has knowledge of the inner workings of the DNC. And if there were people telling them at that time that, like, hey, this gonna... guy's looking pretty good. You might want to go with him. Yeah, maybe. It's possible that that happened. But they have they have no such credibility or probably even really access this time. Well, they endorsed John Kerry because there was no one else. Right. Like, what are you going to not do that? Who else was running? I don't remember. I don't even remember who was running in 2004 um, at all. 
but yeah, I don't know. Like, like what, like what you're saying, is child. Kind of, what you're saying is kind of interesting, though. That like, it, it, in in a way, you're saying it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that they're acting conservatively and sort of like, kind of foot in foot in mouthing it, because they don't have they don't have a coherent. Well, they're also thinking that they're right because they are the paper. You know, we sure. stand for the paper of record, so what we say is right. It's like your job is to be accurate. Yeah. You don't, but you don't necessarily speak for the people. You speak for history. History is written by the powerful. So, yeah, but victors. but that's interesting because I wanted to go here. Like, I think that's why this double endorsement is so funny to me. It, it points to a complete ideological cla- collapse of this kind. Like, they don't speak for history. They don't speak for anybody anymore. They've shown themselves as farcical. It's like, now you're done. You defeated the entire purpose of an endorsement by doing this. This complete bet hedge is a non-endorsement. An endorsement, by definition, is like singular. Yes, you don't get to do that over two people, especially with vastly different platforms. It's like in the great cake or pie debate, going, "Well, what about brownies?" <laughs> right. <laughs> I brought brownies and said, and you're like, "Fuck you!" No, it's cake or pie. No, you don't get to go. Well, what if we do a pie like on the bottom, but then there's like a little layer of cake. Go fuck yourself. It's a cake or pie. Right, right. I think, we don't get to hybridize. I think that second analogy is a little bit more apt because the brownie thing would have been like endorsing Andrew Yang or something. But which, yeah. of, which of course, they're never going to do. No. I mean, there's too much at stake for them. You know, I don't know. Like They'd be like, everyone would be able to afford the paywall. We won't make any money. Fuck. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of this new book that I'm reading. Um, the, the book's called Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More. And it's about the late soviet union from 1950 to 1980 the charade of the soviet union well it's a you know uh i've said this to you but i'll say it for the audience like it's an interesting book because it's written by an anthropologist so it's a lot about like the aesthetics um and the language and the atmosphere of the time it doesn't really focus on the politics too much um but there's similar things uh that i'm reading about in this book that happened in the soviet union that are now happening to organizations like the new york times like if you think about them as analogous to the communist party and having like basically an ideological line that they're responsible for drawing and riding um they're doing increasingly incoherent things as the like neoliberal ideology crumbles in the same way that in the soviet union the communist one was like these things of making a camel and doing things by committee like one of the examples in the book is that when they were um when like regional parties would write speeches and stuff, they would end up basically just full out copying them from parties higher up from them and then writing them by committee so that they would have no authorial voice and that they would not violate any of the parties like prescribed language. So they were just copies and collages like made from already existing material. So they're doing Dada poetry as yeah, basically, be, uh, because in addition to that, it was not it was no longer important at that time that the ideology was even necessarily coherent so much as it was performed as being coherent. And yeah. I think you're seeing the exact same thing with a double endorsement from The New York Times. Like, clearly, ideologically, that makes no sense. Warren and Klobuchar couldn't be farther apart. But also, the performance and makes the perf- no sense. Well, this is why they're even less competent than late era Soviet bureaucrats, Ooh, if that gives bad. you... In yeah, it's like, it's like watching um, who wrote Waiting for Godot. What's his name? What's the man? We're smart people. We know this. Um, I don't know. Frenchman? Gal Godot? Yes, Gal Godot wrote Waiting for Godot yeah. in a stunning achievement of going back in history as Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman is real. 
Wonder Woman also time traveled. So yeah, this is what I'm saying. There you yeah. Go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's like waiting. Like it's like that, but like more boring. If that's a possibility, where you're just like, there's a lot of nonsense going. Well, waiting on. for waiting for Godot is a Samuel Beckett play. Yeah, as I'm sure our listeners are pounding on the table, like, going, "You, you fucking, fucking morons!" <laughs> yeah, it's like watching a Beckett play, but going like, "This is going nowhere. This is kind of spinning its wheels a lot." Yeah, but without the, you know, the entrancement of you know, good language and staging, this is just like, like a, it's like an episode of Nailed It. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. This is, this that's a completely perfect. <laughs> but like shitty where there's no hosts and no one's having fun. They're just like, "Fuck, fuck. I don't know. It's on fire. I don't know. I uh, Right. Nailed it. It would be like if uh Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood on the Great British Baking Show went to demonstrate how to make a baked Alaska and it just melted all over the floor. And they were like, "We don't know either." Yeah. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh in my day we used to broil it. Well, we gave you a, a blowtorch. It's faster. And there's also yep. three people who are uh, prepping baking for you. And you just had to shoot it. Right. And they're like, I don't know. But I, I think I burned off Paul Hollywood's eyebrows. <laughs> I don't know. He's very mad at me now. Well, God, and you know what? We haven't even mentioned this yet. But it's hilarious, too, that they picked two candidates who both have no shot. Like Elizabeth Warren has a shot. Not really. Um, I mean, she she's polling consistently in fourth place in Iowa and New Hampshire both. Like there's Fourth. yeah Who's third Buttigieg in Iowa. She might be in third place in New Hampshire. Why? But still, I mean, who the fuck is? Without these early states, nobody has a path to victory. At this point, it's Bernie or Biden. Mayor Pete is the chaos option if he somehow pulls off Iowa. But I don't know. Um, but without the New York, you know, if the New York Times had endorsed Pete, <gasps> which I'm sort of surprised they didn't do. I think their excuse was that he's too young and untested or something like he needs to win more elections, which is, which is true. That's fine. Um, but if they had endorsed him, he might have won Iowa and it would have changed the whole nature of the thing. If they really wanted to, like, run away with some sort of bet hedging centrism, that would have been the way to go. It's sort of shocking to me they didn't do that. I think they find him smarmy. Yeah. Which is clear. Well, we watched the video of the smarmy guy really taking him down over fixing bread prices. Yeah. The Hannibal. Lecter. I worked for a company <laughs> yeah. that consulted, and it wasn't me fixing the prices. Right. And like, but you advise the company, yes, of the strategy, correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll put like one last positive spin on it. Like, it's interesting to me and good that they didn't go for Biden or Mayor Pete. That's kind of incredible, actually. If you're on, if you're on the left, um, it means they have no faith in Joe Biden. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because he's sort of the all-in candidate for the Democratic Party. They really need it to be Biden. Um, Why? Who cares? They don't even want an Elizabeth Warren, let alone a Bernie Sanders. So what options do they really have, you know? And I think I think Mayor Pete being untested is like a legitimate, real worry for these people. Um, he's not popular at all with black people. Like, no. he, you know, so... There's real liability with Mayor Pete, and if they don't trust Joe Biden, that's a really good sign for us, um, meaning the people. Mm. Like, great, good. And now your bet hedging endorsement counts for absolutely nothing, because how can Elizabeth Warren really use this, or Amy Klobuchar really use this when they're sharing it? They can't. Well, the unfortunate part, like, I don't know, like, you think of people's careers, and it's like, you know, like, someone like an Elizabeth Warren, like, for, you know the contemporary has tried to do all the right things at least until you know she wasn't a republican for 30 years 
Yep. You know, you know, there's that. Voted for Nixon, voted for Reagan, voted yeah. for George Bush one. Extended war, war monies. You know, there's a lot of things yeah. that you're just like, ooh, bitch, you. No, no, librarian, you sneaky. Right. Libra- it's always the quiet ones. Yes. This is why I don't trust Mayor Pete, because he looks like, like that kid, because I was a quiet one. Yep. You know how I turned out? <laughs> Fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's always the quiet ones that have the little screw little loose. little streak, yeah. Um, you know, whatever that streak is, and, you know, for Mayor Pete, it's like a deep, deep viciousness when it comes to money. Right. McKinsey. Um. Well, you Elizabeth were saying, Warren, yeah. like a certain level of like, I want to do everything right by any means necessary. Now I want to, you know, make amends. And you're like, listen, bitch, pretending that you are of a tribe that you are not. Yeah. It's not a great idea because you think no one's going to test you when everyone is doing 23 and me's on a Tuesday. Right. No, I know. I mean, uh, unfortunately, like, like, look, here's the thing. I, I, it was off mic, but I was talking as a lot of people were. I was talking a lot of trash on Elizabeth Warren because of the beef with Bernie Sanders, you know, and the manufactured controversy at the debate. Which was horribly timed on every level because, you know, we need to go after Biden to fucking win this election. So, you know, fuck her for that. But that being said, <laughs> um, like, I feel a little bit bad for her because I think that she does have, like, a core morality that is good. Um, but she has an ideological confusion. Like, she cannot make up her mind to be blatantly anti-capitalist or not. So she goes as far as is reasonable, which is why so many like liberals and, you know, administrators and people that are comfortable in their lives support her because they get to look as left as they want to look without going into, oh, that's unreasonable, mm-hmm. like Medicare for all, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's too bad because her political instincts are dog shit. She's not a Hillary Clinton. She's not a cutthroat person. So when yeah. she goes for the jugular in moments like this, her it's lo- awkward. It's awkward, and her librarian bookishness betrays her sentiments. Because that's the kind of thing where you're just like, oh, I didn't know you could be vicious. And she, well, and, and she's like, oh, well, it's not even vicious. And it's she doesn't like, have oh. the wherewithal to actually stick stick with it and follow through on it. Yeah. Um, which, from a politics perspective, is bad instinct. You're not going to win an election that way. You're not going to beat Donald Trump that way. Um, you are literally in a person-based dogfight yes. with an abused Rottweiler. You know. And, you know, she went she went and bit Bernie's paw. And went, oh, I'm so sorry. And went, and oh, then tried to I'm look really, it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and he's like, I don't fucking care. I'm old. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't fucking care because, you, you know, whatever, girl. We're just going to steamroll right by you. We don't need you. Like... There's no there's no point in making a stink about it. Seriously, Bernie did a really good job in the wake of that of not putting his foot in his mouth too badly and not blowing it up into something larger because it's irrelevant. The question right now is Iowa, and that means the question is Biden, not Elizabeth Warren. So, mm-hmm. um, but all I was I, I want to be really clear that all I was trying to say is I actually legitimately do feel bad for her because I think she has a head on her shoulders that is good, and people like her are not bad. You know, as much as I stand for Bernie and talk shit about people like her, it's like we need more people like Elizabeth Warren, but we need them to be competent. You know, well, they this is the thing like being a good bureaucrat means that you're a really good bureaucrat and you can get things done on the on that end. But it's like, are you a figurehead? And this is the thing in terms of whatever, like you need a figurehead, whatever that is, because who cares? Like, I don't really, I don't care. Dear listener, I don't care. Um, but black-pilled will what i don't i don't give a shit I, I don't know how to vote i probably want you know there's a lot of things <laughs> yeah. everything could be done for me and i'll be like oh, i forgot to mail that in. Right. i didn't have a stamp um 
where do you buy stamps? Oh, anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, but, you know, again, it's a dogfight. It's a horse race. You know, this, these are things where it's like you need, what was that horse movie? Uh, sea Biscuit? Yeah. yeah. You need a Sea Biscuit. Right. We don't have Sea Biscuits. We have camels. Yeah. Even Bernie's a camel. You know, no, Bernie's not a camel. He looks like a camel. The number one critic. Scott Osteoporosis. He looks like a camel. I will say that, yes. But, uh, you know, the New York Times in their, like, frankly, vicious paragraph, um, you know, because they ran down every candidate and why they didn't endorse them. And Mm -hmm. Bernie's was scathing. And the the basic criticism was he's not willing to compromise. He has a no holds barred attitude. But you know what that is? Well, the line was, and I remember this, was we won't trade, swap out a non-negotiating hardliner for another right and i was like the not so subtle equivocation with donald trump it's like i I think i I think this guy can read though yeah and i don't think he's doing lines of cocaine before he publicly (laughs) speaks yeah because it would kill him well right i don't know and you know their readership will drink that down you know they will love that shit because they really do think that left and right populism are the same thing um which they are not. But you know what that makes Bernie all is trying to say is that that makes him a sea biscuit. No, he doesn't want to fucking compromise. Why would you start from that position? Why would you ever start from a position of I'm going to already give something up before the negotiations even started? It's also not how geopolitics works. No. And it, everyone goes into geopolitical detente with, well, I'm not fucking budging unless they budge. And then I'll budge a little bit. Right. Maybe. Well, I don't know how that works. It's part of why the the New York Times and the neoliberal ideology is falling apart, because that is how it used to work when the two parties were closer together and they weren't separate factions with completely different ideologies. Hmm. And now they are. So, like, why the left can't have that in the same sense that the right has that, I'll never understand. But the New York Times can't can't live with that reality. I feel like I've said this many times over years, but why aren't we more like other countries where there's more than two parties? Uh, because we have an executive presidential style system and not a parliamentary system. That's, that's the, it. That's the short answer to that question. Yeah. Oh. Um, because in parliamentary systems, you know, the prime minister is elected by the legislature. Yeah. Um, so their executive branch has like almost no power. Cause a lot of those countries have presidents too, that yeah. you never hear about yeah, yeah. or that are like completely ineffectual. Um, but when the legislator elects basically like the primary executive, all of these different factions that form, it's also because we have a two-party system that's not constitutionally mandated. That's the second Yeah, that's part why I don't... Yeah. But in a parliamentary system, all these factions that do represent like four or five or six or seven or eight different ideologies then have to compromise to elect this prime minister. Yeah. Whereas we just, have a, we just have a popularity contest, prom king style, and you leave it to the unwashed masses, you know? Because well, the pro- I think this is where maybe the problem lies. The two party like, thing is worse, though. I I think like the, the I like this idea of like the, what you just said, prom king, prom queen, like this kind. You know, because we you know obviously now there's two women in the race. Uh, I'm not a misogynist pig. I just find vaginas yucky. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. Gay back, men are allowed to be misogynist. Though. No, it's absolutely not true. Um, but. <laughs> I do think that back in the day, think about it. What was the highest level of education of the average American? I don't even think it was like sixth grade. Sixth grade. Sixth grade reading level. Right. Maybe a graduated high school if you didn't like go to trade school along the way. Sure. Uh, Or go to the, go to army. Right. Get a seal. Yeah. Whatever. 
um, you know, that works for people who are like, I don't know anything really complex. But now we do have three generations, four generations of people who have at least a bachelor's degree who have done some kind of complicated thought, maybe not, I don't know, people go to communication school. Um, And that's the bare minimum threshold for everyone, right? To even get a job at fucking McDonald's is, do you have a bachelor's degree? Right. In what? Oh, child psychology? Well, you're manning the fryer. Like, (laughs) you know, it doesn't work to have the popularity contest anymore. I don't think. For rational people. Well, you know, it, it could work if you make it work for you. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm i always... people be tired and poor and don't have time to think about this Yeah, ex- exactly. That's the challenge of, like, getting a working class movement together of a completely alienated population. Yeah. You know? Um, but I'm, I'm always skeptical of this argument around, like, that education is the defining thing. Because as much as there is three or four generations that have more people that have gone to college than ever before, I don't think it's the majority of people. And it's certainly not, like, the plurality of people. Mm. So... You know, I'm not sure that access to information makes people any smarter either. No. That's the other aspect of that. No, you can go um, down a YouTube K-hole for six hours and be dumber. And the, and the main point is, too, like, I, I do believe in democracy. Like, I, I'm not suspicious of that. I do think that you can leave things to your voting populations. But having, like, this is the two-party problem, is having two private organizations that essentially orchestrate the entire political process is mm-hmm. something that needs to be completely done away with that's a byproduct of an era of compromise where that could kind of work when the two parties were both pro-capitalist and had slightly different views on social issues like that was really the only difference between republicans and democrats from the civil war until now until the early 90s really well i think they had more than slight differences on social things during the civil war (laughs) Well, I said after I said yeah. after the Civil oh, War, after. but All but right. you're but you're even you know what? But that's a fair criticism. You're even right in terms of the 20th century. But you'll remember, like the Democratic Party was the party of segregation. Yeah, you know, so like, but that's also a flippant like uh, if you, whatever. Anyway. Well, so you know, I I do think you can I do think you can leave it to the people, but it's a much greater challenge now. And like things like Citizens United and all of that business, like it's been systematically eroded. Yeah. For a really long time. So getting it back together is the m- most important thing you can do right now. That's why Bernie 2020, baby. Okay. Well, Seriously. This is, need I remind you that this is a furniture review <laughs> podcast. This is not a platform for your political beliefs. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. Well, I, I would like to endorse the Glurkin from Ikea. Uh, no, it's a nightstand for $14.95. <laughs> six popsicle sticks in a caster you can put it together once and then next time you go to move you'll break all the pegs and throw it in the trash in a rage how many glurkins have you broken (laughs) (sighs) no this this is not a this is not a glurkin household this is a i forgot what these are fucking yeah ribbits kibbits the ribbits bookshelf is it a ribbit i don't know something like that fucking frog the kibbits isn't that a jewish thing that's a kibbutz. kibbutz. That's a kibbutz. Oh, a kibbutz. That's where you send the people to like go and like, it's camping. Yeah. Oh, it is? It's glam- kind of. It's glamping? No. No. You go live oh, on a Oh, how am I going to live if I don't have my television? I have to watch my you story. go to the Catskills. <laughs> God. The Borscht Belt? Yes. <laughs> you go, you see some comedy, you play some shuffleboard, watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and give it another fucking award like everyone else. Oh, okay. 
Or or you could double nominate the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and uh, Hannah Gadsby for something. <sighs> this is kind of like nominating Maisel and uh, uh, fuck. What's the other one? Well, I just lost. Oh, your favorite. My favorite. Shrill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good platform. Lindy West and Mrs. Maisel, twenty twenty four. I'm calling it now. That'll be the New York Times endorsement. <laughs> well, because we can't nominate Phoebe Waller-Bridge because she's a Brit. Um, otherwise, bitch Lindy West and Lizzo. Why you do the six hundred pound hate, ticket? You, you just hate. <laughs> I can't. This is. I just want to be clear that one of us only speaks for one of us. <laughs> you know, I uh, I read Jezebel as a youth. I'm sure you did. I know. I read Jezebel now for hate. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, I guess it sort of. Mm. No, what? now it's just taken the form of Twitter and and medium posts. What by the same people? Really? Pretty much. Yeah. The Gawker people are on medium. Yeah. A lot My, how the mighty have fallen. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, anyway, should we end the show? I think we can. We're we're well over our time, and you seem tired of my antics. Yeah, permanently. Great, love yeah. it. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll go back to reviewing furniture next week. Oh, thank God! I, you know, I have a lot to say about the Jonathan Adler table, and t- clock is ticking. Oh, you didn't order it yet? No. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it next time. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.